talking about video games. Yeah! Hey everyone, this is Namek vs. Sane Podcast. This is episode 10, a milestone episode. Good for us. Uh, I am Patrick Shanley, the editor with The Hollywood Reporter. Joining me as always is my uh, friend and co-host, Edmund Arnold. Edmund, how are you doing? Um, I'm trying to figure out where I am. I'm trying to figure out what day it is. I got Splatoon 2, and I've been, like, locked in a cave for two days. You're sort of like a... Uh, that nonstop. You're like Punks of Tony Phil on Groundhog Day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm trying to figure out... Who am I talking to again? I'm just, I'm just trying to get everything in order, because I've just been sitting in a dark room and seeing... <laughs> You're the first person I've talked to. You just wandered by a microphone. Yeah, it's, oh man, that game is taking me to a dark hole and I can't get out of it. Well, I don't know if dark's the right word for Splatoon, but... Colorful. There we go, a colorful hole. Beautiful. But other than that, I'm doing great. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. You're definitely doing a lot better than uh, some of the people in Chicago this week. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. In case you didn't see, and this is maybe my favorite story that's ever happened in the history of all time, there was a Pokemon Go festival in Chicago over the weekend. Uh, it did not go as planned, it turns out. Uh, there were too many people. There were a lot of glitches. They kind of overrode a lot of the, uh, the mobile hotspots that were there. The mobile networks were overwhelmed by the amount of people trying to catch Pokemons, rare Pokemons that were promised, and people were not happy. No, and they shouldn't have been. That's, that's absolutely ridiculous. These people come into the, under the impression that they're going to go to this park, meet up with a bunch of people, uh, and then actually, I think it was a raid that they were going to do. They, so they were planning on everyone getting onto the same server, doing a raid in order to c- collect these legendary Pokemon, which people who have been playing this game have been waiting for a year. And it just sounds like Niantic dropped the ball on everyone. Yeah, it is not a, it's not a good scene. Let me just read you some of these experts from this BBC article because they made me laugh out loud. As people got there, fans were booing and chanting, fix our game and we can't play. As executives from Niantic, from Niantic, the game's creator, attempted to explain the problems. At one point, a bottle was thrown at a presenter on stage. It missed. <laughs> Should have hit him. Sorry. I, I, I get upset about stuff like this. I, I played a lot of Pokemon Go last year. I was one of those people that got into it, and you have to understand, it's a two-way it's a two-way thing. You can't promise gamers anything. Never, ever, ever promise people that play video games anything, because if they get disappointed, they are some of the biggest man-children you'll ever see in your life. Oh, I didn't get that from them throwing bottles at people on stage. Just don't promise them anything. And if you're going to promise something where you have to get gamers to leave their homes, to have to be social, make sure... Whatever you're planning is going to work. It sounds like the people got out there to the park. They couldn't even play the game. They had this big event plan. And if you can't play the game, the first that's the first thing. That's what you focus the entire event around. And I can't even get into the game. It is amazing to me that an entire event is literally predicated on one thing. Come out and play the Pokemon Go game. And this is the, the only reason it exists is to play the game. And the game did not work when you got there. No. And it's, like you said, there's a bunch of people, there's traffic, people couldn't get anywhere around the park. You have a bunch of nerds. And I don't know if you've ever played Pokemon Go, and I was one of those nerds. But everyone's just standing in a big group. And if you're out in the park and you're trying to walk, we made so many people mad because people are trying to walk yeah. through us. And we're all standing in these large groups. Staring can't at the phone. Get around us. We're all staring at <clears> our phones. We're all just causing a ruckus. Some people are playing the Pokemon song as loud as they can. Oh, God. So, you know, it's not the most pleasant thing, but... 
I, I like the idea that you're doing these big events and you're getting all these Pokemon Go players together. But why are you why are you not taking the steps to make sure that it's working? And I was hard. I was very against it before I actually got out there and started meeting people and playing it last year. Did you it actually meet people playing Pokemon Go? I don't talk to them today because I don't <laughs> I don't meet people on my Xbox Live and become friends with them. But That'd it was still weird. it was still people that I met up with, talked about the game, talked about where to find these different Pokemon. So it was it was an experience unlike anything that I've ever had in my life. Look, I played Pokemon Go briefly because it was free and I thought it was funny. But I don't think I ever was wandering around, wandering around looking for Pokemon and then bumped into another person playing Pokemon and be like, oh, we should catch Pokemon together. So the Bay Area Pokemon Go hype kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. So there are specific areas in the Bay Area where you could go to and there would be other... Because that was where the big the rare drops were. So if you were looking for a... I can't even think of an example right now. If you're looking for a Dratini or you're looking for like a Dragonair, you would ha- you would have to go to like the Berkeley Marina or you would have to go to Crown Beach and Alameda. So these places that were spawning very rare Pokemon were bringing droves and droves of droves of people <clears throat> to these like beaches and to these parks. So you would see other – and you know what they were doing because they'd all be on their phones. Right. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't be dressed up like they'd be there to work out. They'd be <laughs> in their jean shorts and like – their San Lots Francisco of flat bilge hats turned backwards to the side. Cargo sides. shorts. So, yeah, a lot of cargo shorts. There Socks with sandals, shorts. that whole look going on. You know, people wearing glasses instead of contacts. So <laughs> it was a very good – for me, it was a very good experience because I've never experienced anything like that. And there were a lot – and when I say there were a lot of people out in these parks and things, there were a lot of people out there. I was – Confused by a couple things. A, I thought the Pokemon Go phenomenon had kind of died down. I mean, it, it was such a high, like, about a year ago. And then it just kind of petered out, and I haven't really heard much about it since this weekend when this happened. So it was surprising to me that this many people were still excited about Pokemon Go to go out and get new exotic Pokemons. But here's my question to you as a gamer. Uh, is this a bad look for gamers? That a whole bunch of adults... I mean, look at the pictures from this event. These are not children going to this. This is almost overwhelmingly adults out here looking for Pokemon. And they were so upset that they couldn't catch imaginary monsters on their phone that they started screaming and throwing bottles and tweeting, this is the worst time I have ever had doing anything. That is a quote from the BBC article. American privilege is a hell of a thing, isn't it? I mean, gamers are the worst, and I consider myself in this category are some of the worst groups of people you'll ever meet in your life. And it's one of it's the t- type of thing where it's, we expect things to go our way because we're used to be, being told these things. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, we're going to get a game. The game's going to work this way. You're going you're gonna to be able to put in this many hours in order to get this item. We're told that if you do A, B, and C, you'll get D, right? Right. So when things don't go out, go that way, which has been the increasing trend in video game companies is to tell us something and afford to go completely different yet gamers get upset about everything i mean look at everything that's happened (laughs) look at any major cancellation look at any major change in a game's development cycle in the last like 10 years and there is some type of crazy uproar where a developer is getting their life threatened or a developer is getting their all their information put out onto the internet because people are getting upset about a slight change they made to someone's voice or something like that you know and i'm not making it i'm not pulling up any specific situations but it's an increasing trend and yes you're absolutely right and i agree with you it's a bad look on gaming for sure i mean this just reeks of like entitlement and tantrum throwing like 
this article it ends it ends with this to try and appease the people who came to this event and didn't get stuff attendees were told they would get a, a lugia a lugia that's a pokemon that had not been available in the game before an announcement that drew big cheers from an otherwise dejected crowd they gave you a fake monster in a video game and people were like yay <laughs> are you and, 10 years old and it takes away what makes Pokemon go great. They just give you a Pokemon rather than having you, you know, walk around in a circle like an idiot in order to stumble across your phone rumbling for you to throw a fake Pokemon ball at it. Look, I get I get you. I get your I get where you're coming from. I I get these are grown people. They should have been able to handle this better. I don't think anyone should ever be a victim of violence. I don't think you should ever throw a bottle at anyone mm. if you disagree with them. But I think you also have to understand where these people are coming from. They're promised to have this big social event. Niantic does this a lot where they promise things with Pokemon. Go- and this isn't the first time they've done this mm-hmm. where they promise something and then rolled it out. And then it's been an absolute catastrophe. They've done this before. I don't, I don't think that the reaction was warranted. I don't think anyone, any grown person should ever react that way to anything at all. And all of you should be very ashamed of yourselves. Tisk tisk. But I do believe that Niantic does need to have some sort of blame upon themselves as well because they've been doing this for what a year now and they've been rolling out these and they know they know this crowd they know these they know the people that are playing this game because they get outraged over everything (laughs) everything i i feel like i may be coming off too i don't feel i'm coming off too strong and when i'm saying these people are acting like children because i do think that but at the same time you promised something and you did not deliver on it. So it makes sense that people would be upset. I just think the level of upset these people are getting might be a bit too high. I mean, um, I mean either growing up catching fake monsters. I, I just uh, That's what hurts my head about it. And I'm just saying, it's like we talked about last week when we're talking about you know competitive gaming's trying to go mainstream. Well, if stories like this keep coming out, it's not going to help that cause. Oh, no. No, it, it's a bad look. Like you said, it's a bad look. Yeah, man. It's the same thing when we keep seeing athletes going to jail for different violent crimes. I mean, like, that does not help whatever league they're playing in. This is a similar type of story in a different way that is hurting the brand of video games. Is it? I don't think it's I, that bad because that's that's a bad parallel to draw. I, I, I think it. it's a refle- not a reflection on esports and esports players in general, but I think no. it's a reflection on the gaming community as a whole. Yeah, the culture behind it, The I guess. culture of it where it's like – I am entitled to a specific service that I paid for, and if it doesn't go my way, I'm going to rage right. in a way that I want everyone around me to suffer the same way that I feel like I'm suffering right now. I mean, this is it's. I get both sides. I right. get both sides, but to react in a way that you're going to express violence towards another individual who's trying to help you—it's unwarranted, man. Like, yeah. come on, come on. You, and you're a grown person catching fake monsters in on a weekend. I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. They're not real. You're not getting paid for it. It took three hours out of your Saturday. Like, chill out. What were you going to do anyway? Sit at your house and, like, level up in Splatoon 2? Probably play Pokemon in a different part of the city. Seriously. Just get your old Pokemon yellow and try to collect all 150 Pokemon. And I, I don't understand it. Like, chill out. You're fine. You're not dead. <laughs> like, threatening your family. He's crazy, man. These, these g- gamers are crazy. Yeah, there's just so much outrage caused by so many things. Well, it's... it. I And I can't sit here and act like I'm above it because I experience it myself. Like, Rockstar and Grand Theft Auto V is a perfect example. Every time they roll out 
a new online DLC, I get extremely mad. I'm like, where's my single player DLC? Screw these people playing online. I don't, I hate them. I hate them all. You know, it's just, you expect certain things to go your way when you play video games. And if they don't, you react like a child. It's just bizarre that after so many years of this type of thing happening constantly, I mean, like, this is not new, as you've said, even with Pokemon. Things don't work often in video games, and yet people still expect them to work perfectly every time. I don't get it. I don't I don't get the culture. I don't I don't get it as if I don't know if it's like a lack of maturity that gamers have. I'm, I don't want to, you know, scapegoat us all to be like we lack maturity or anything right. like that. I don't know. I don't I don't get it. But it seems like it's only with the gaming. <laughs> Actually, let me rephrase that. It seems like it's only with like nerd culture, geek culture type things where people rage like this. Yeah, there is definitely a sense of entitlement. I mean, this is not um, only for video games. There's obviously this in movies that deal with. Let, let's look at DC. Like over the weekend, the people who uh, so they unveiled you know the new Aquaman trailer. They unveiled um, a Justice League trailer, a new Justice League trailer, and the amount of vitriol that was spat out online by people. Being like, oh yeah, this is what we've been with. Like, take this, Marvel. Like, oh, I told all you haters for so long that this is finally going to come. Like, it's a movie, man. Like, you're not involved in the movie. They don't care about you. They want you to buy a ticket to it. That's it. No one in these brands gives a crap about you. And it is insane the amount of, like, in- I don't know, I don't have another word other than entitlement. You feel like you have ownership over something that you have absolutely no ownership over. It's like people take their labels so far these days yes like we we really need to be you know we everyone wants to label themselves and it's to the point where it's like you're such a bland person that you have to pick a team between marvel and dc and then you have to like act upon it as if it's something that you actually need to put stakes into if that makes any sense oh no absolutely like you're you're basically you're predicating your personality around a brand right and i see a lot of it on the internet community like oh you know these DC boys don't know what Marvel's got or these Marvel it's right. just like are you guys that bored in your life that you need to affiliate your something yourself with something I I don't I don't get it because I've never had any affiliation with that to that with anything I mean I'm an independent I mean I don't have yeah. I don't have a brand affiliation with anything like that like right. if it's good I'm going to purchase it or if it's good I'm going to follow you or if you're saying what I like I'm going to vote for you I mean it's just, it's crazy these labels that people have and there's, they can't – I don't know, man. I just – it's something that I can't wrap my mind around. Yeah, I think we live in a society of hyperbole at this point where everything is either the best ever or the worst ever. And it doesn't matter because once you're aligned with that group, it's like everything they do is good and everything the other do, group does is bad. doesn't matter, like, the differences in between the certain things they release. Like, and that's what's crazy to me. You're absolutely right, and there's no middle. There's no middle ground. Yeah, that's what happened crazy. to that? I feel like no. 10 years ago there was middle ground. You don't meet a lot of people that are like, you know, Marvel movies are top-notch. DC movies aren't that good. Right. But those DC television shows are pretty good, and those DC animated movies, no one's touching that. Right. So, you know, there's no balance, and then there's no balance. No one's willing to say, Marvel's doing this well, DC's doing this well, they both need to improve on this. I enjoy watching both of them. No one no one really sees that. It's like this or that. This DC's amazing, Marvel sucks. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah, I get frustrated. I get frustrated too, especially as somebody who grew up with all the characters and all of these things. Same thing with Pokemon. I mean, like, I grew up with Pokemon. Like, I like a lot of these things, and I don't like a lot of other things they do. But when I don't like something, I don't go online and start bashing the people who make it. And I especially don't go online and start making death threats to the people who made it. Look, 
Death threats are. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get. I don't understand. That's something that I can't wrap my mind around either. There's a whole bunch. We're talking about a whole bunch of stuff that I just don't understand. I'll never understand death threats. But if you voice, if you're upset about something, if you don't like something, don't buy it. Don't watch it. Like the Confederate that that they announced that was going to be released. Right. People went into an uproar about it. We don't want to see any more slavery stories. We don't want to see any more stories about blacks being viewed as you know lower than white people and this right. and that. And it's just like you haven't even seen a preview. Exactly. It, it yeah. was just announced. You don't have any idea what this movie's about. Like I understand you're sick about you're sick of white people, and I get it. You're <laughs> sick of white people writing about black stories. I get it. I understand it. I'm with you on that. But can we at least see the preview before we start like raging? For anyone who doesn't know, Confederate is the next announced show by the showrunners of Game of Thrones. And essentially it's like an alternate future in which the South Confederate states succeeded in their succession from the Union and slavery still exists in whatever future society we're in. Which, whatever, if you want to if you want to debate the concept, like I'll actually stand with you because I thought it was a stupid concept for a show, regardless of any of the racial issues that deal with it. I just thought it was a dumb concept for a show. Um, right. But I have not seen it. And also these guys have built up seven years of good faith by making possibly one of the best TV shows of all time. If that doesn't buy you at least letting me see the trailer for what you made before I get outraged about it. I, I got to ask you a question. Um, yeah. Side question. Why does the premise seem so stupid for you? Because for me, mm-hmm. what is that show called on Amazon? A Man in High Castle? The, the Man, Man in High, High Castle, Castle, yeah. I didn't I didn't watch the show. I watched the first episode. Uh-huh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down and watch that show. That first episode of that show was fantastic. I've I heard it was good. Dystopian. It's, it's good. I watched the first episode. It's it's good. Good, good, good. Okay. I love dystopian. I love alternate realities. I love – that's my favorite, okay. favorite, favorite type. So why does that premise sound stupid to you? So I'm glad you brought up that show because I equally feel the same way about that show and I felt the okay. same way when it was announced. That's not my thing. I don't like those types of things. I, I don't – I also – I didn't like the imagery in it because it, it doesn't make any sense to me. If Germany had won the war, let's say they did, uh, first off – I don't know. I haven't seen the show. Maybe they do it this way where it's split between Japan and Germany and they – It is. Okay. That wouldn't happen uh, because they were at odds too. But also you would not keep the, icon- the iconography of America and just drape swastikas over it. Like you wouldn't have the Statue of Liberty still be standing just dressed up as a Nazi now. Like that would that's the parts that bother me. It just seems reductionist for history and it doesn't seem like it really makes any sense or takes into account like how complex all of these things would be. Like these are not how the wars worked even when they were being fought. And I understand that like they currently make a show with white walkers and dragons, but like I that's real for the world that it lives in. I like good stories. I like good stories. So if I'm going to wait, I'm not going to get outraged because, look, they're still going to be employing black people, right? The two EVPs, the the co-showrunners, are, are both black. It's a black married couple, an African-American married couple. And I'm, I'm just, you know, when I saw it, was, it announced, I, I, I didn't originally go, look, I'm done with slave movies. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. 12 Years of Slave was the last slave movie I'll see. I think that movie kind of hit the pinnacle of slave movies. I don't think we need it anymore. I really right. don't. I think we need more. I agree with all the arguments around what everyone's saying. I agree we need more movies based on Africa, based on before we were brought over. I think we need more movies based on the 60s about us joining together, things like that, blah, blah, blah. I think we need more movies like that. I don't want to get into a huge tangent here. Right. But there still needs to be avenues where we explore things like this. I think it could bring up some critical points where we could have decent conversations about it. Sure. Not if we're we're online, you know, but if we got (laughs) face-to-face with the person. Maybe not on Twitter. Yeah. 
met a friend at a bar like people used to do, like meeting someone at a bar on a Friday night to discuss their, you know, what they did this week. Yeah. Maybe we could have a good conversation. You could. You don't know what you don't know what they're doing with the Underground Railroad. You yeah. don't know what they're going to do with any of this. You know, there could be a radical black faction that could be some of the most just uplifting and inspirational. You don't. You, it, I, what I'm saying is, you don't know. Right. Wait. Wait. And then if you don't like it, then. Don't watch it. Right. If you don't watch it, it will go off the air. Exactly. It's the, it's the same thing. It's A, vote with your wallet is what they always say. And because we live in a capitalistic society, so it's like if you don't want something, just don't buy it and it will go away if enough people do that. And then B, uh, again, it's just all hyperbole, man. Like it gets announced and so it's either the worst thing in the world or something you have to defend blindly. Like why can't I have a middle ground where like I don't really care about the show, but I also don't want people blasting something that they haven't even seen yet. And that's where I'm standing. Right. I Look, I'm in the – realm of i understand the arguments i don't think we need any more I'm, I'm sick of seeing blacks portrayed as subservient to white people i get it i get it i get it but on the other hand i haven't seen it yet so i don't know what in what context anything any of this is going to be represented and you don't know it could be something in the west world type vein right. where you're cheering for you know all the main cast could be and you don't know who's you don't even know who the slaves are. No, we don't even they know characters ex, they yet. Ex, yeah, they could have expanded slavery. Who knows? They could have the Confederacy could have freed all the blacks and brought in another group. You don't you don't know. That's right. it's fiction. Just wait to get more information, and then if it turns out that they're just belittling you, then outrage. Then then just show some rage. And then Boy you're coffee. warranted. And then you're warranted in that rage. Right. You know? yeah. Right. It was just announced. That's it. Right. With no pictures or anything, they just said we're making a show. Well, what I was talking about ugh. how do we bring how do we bring it back to Pokemon Go? That's that's the question. <laughs> Luckily, everything in my life revolves around Pokemon Go, so it's not that hard for me. To oh, okay. We back. were talking about people's reactions, and now uh -huh. people just need to chill out. Okay, right. all right. It's just this was clearly a debacle of an event. It did not go off the way they had planned it. Uh, it reminded me of that fire festival with Ja Rule and that stupid idiot guy like some hedge fund manager who was like 24 years old and thought he could run a island music festival and it was like lord of the flies man and uh, that one i understood a little bit more about people getting really upset but again it was a whole bunch of i hate rich saying that kids. yeah there is a whole bunch of rich instagram kids and i feel bad because it's not like you're not automatically a bad person because like you're rich and post pictures of yourself on instagram but it's yeah. hard for me to feel bad for you yeah I don't feel bad for them. They pay the money. It's just like, whatever. You signed the contract. If you're going to so. drop two grand on a music festival, then I'm sorry. Wait, like, <laughs> Listen. Listen. Ja Rule's name was on that music festival. This what is on you. you thinking? What are you thinking? Ja Rule hasn't been relevant in 20 years, and you think that you're going to go to a festival with his name on it and be happy? You buffoon. Even when Ja Rule was relevant, I wouldn't trust him with a music festival or especially setting up lodging for me in a foreign nation. Right. If it's Jay-Z, if it's – I'm not even trusting Kanye to be honest with you. I would trust Kanye even a little bit more than Ja Rule. Good lord. I think so, yeah. If it's Jay-Z, if it's Nas, if it's one of these business-oriented rappers, yeah, but Ja Rule, man – the dude's still wearing wife beaters in his videos. Dude, like, if oh, MC man. Hammer set one up, I would trust him more than Ja Rule. Oh, hell no. MC Hammer, you're getting all your money taken away. <laughs> oh, hell. <laughs> That's a scam. As soon as you see MC, I'm like, oh. Well, wait a second. Something's not right here. But yes, I'm sorry, Pokemon people. I feel bad for you. You went out there. You had to leave your house. <laughs> I know how hard it is for you to have to leave your house on a weekend. Oh, woe is me. You went out there. You didn't get what was promised to you. 
I get it. I get it. But you didn't have to react that way. That's no. all I'm saying. And you now you all react. now you all get a free Lugia and one hundred dollars yeah. in your pocket. If you were really upset with Pokemon Go, this is what you do. You delete the app. You never play it again. What a that's how you sh- That's how you show Niantic that you don't want any part of them anymore. You don't throw a bottle at someone who was just arguably there for the day. Really? Oh my gosh, thank you. Today's been a crazy morning, so I'm glad we can make this happen. Yeah, we heard you got pulled into a few things. So. Yeah, there's been a couple breaking news stories, so. Brilliant. Um, so I'm going to just, uh, without wasting more time, uh, Luke uh, Smith is the game director for Destiny 2. He's here with me. Wonderful. Hi, Luke. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I got a chance to get my hands on the beta for uh, Destiny 2. <laughs> And uh, I've enjoyed my time quite a bit. I'm actually counting the hours until I can go home and play it some more. Um, but it seems to uh, it, it seems to be getting quite a positive reaction online and from a lot of the fans. Uh, how's that for you? We're we're always excited to see reactions to anything that we create, and our fans, you know, respond with verb excitement and and uh, you know areas where they think we could do better, and, and that's awesome. We're happy to hear it. You guys have a little bit of time to maybe address those before the game is officially released in September. Uh, are there any particular issues that you and your team are focusing on before you get to that release date? Well, uh, bluntly, because of the nature of betas and our focus on the technical diligence and, and release process, you know, we talked, uh, we, we've talked a little bit about how betas for us are a, a test of our technology and our shipping. Um, this particular beta is less of a test of our of our game design because the content is a few months old, mm-hmm. and so we've been building we've been building the rest of the game while we like submit the beta to a bunch of technical diligence on our side before we release it to the world. So it's really assuring to see that our our community is identifying a bunch of the things that we had previously identified, um, you know, in the last few months while we've been working on the rest of the game. Do you feel like this beta is a good representation of what people are going to get when the game is released in full, or there's a lot of uh, aspects of the game that are not included in this beta that you are excited for people to get their hands on? The beta is an extremely small slice, intentionally so, where uh, we're actually keeping a whole bunch of the game uh, secret. Like we don't, we're not really letting people look at how the game loop actually works. We've disabled progression in the game, which is a huge part of Destiny a game where you build a character and take them around a bunch of awesome worlds. <coughs> We're not really showing any of our any of the, any of our awesome worlds. We're focusing on one map in our competitive PvP playlist. Like we very intentionally have made the beta focus on the technical diligence and a very small slice of content so that players can be, you know, surprised and delighted in September. That's a bit of a different approach than you guys had for Destiny One, it seems like, because that was such an expansive beta. Uh, so I'm guessing that this was a it was obviously an intentional decision to hold back a little bit on this beta, but was that influenced by the first game? I think it's it's, um, it's influenced in some ways by the original beta, but also influenced in a bunch of ways by our thinking around the Taken King, which was the last project that I uh, I had the privilege of directing here at Bungie, where we had a bunch of content in the game that we never told players about, and we just let them experience it. We didn't come out and make big statements, we instead focused on, you know, let's, let's talk about our game scenario and then get the game into players' hands and see what they find in love. And I think that strategy, 
that strategy really played out and created some of that delight and surprise that uh, I talked about earlier. And that's like really that that's really important to me because so much of destiny is about being a part of a community. Mm-hmm. And when you're a part of a community that's discovering this game together, I think that's an amazing experience for the people who are there. Definitely. Um, what's interesting, this is true of all sequels, but particularly show, uh, so in a game that is uh, driven by community-based gameplay. Um, there might be people who are jumping into Destiny 2 that maybe did not play Destiny 1. Um, the game, I don't want to say it has a steep learning curve, but it's not the easiest game. It's not a game that you can just pick up and immediately be good at. Uh, is it hard to balance making a challenge for players that are coming back to a game that they may have sunk hours and hours and hours into, and also having it be accessible for fans who are just getting into the Destiny franchise. Yeah, that's a huge opportunity for us. <clears throat> the way we think about this is really um, the, the different moods for the activities in a bunch of ways. We want, we want anyone who enjoys a first-person shooter to be able to jump into Destiny. And we, we would also love, and it was for so many players, I've, I've seen and talked to so many fans who Destiny kind of was their first first-person shooter as well. And so continuing, continuing that and making sure that, you know, as you get into the game, it's, it's teaching you how to play and it's sort of rolling things out to you. Like in the beta, for instance, we have a tuning of the game that is, that is uh, very challenging. You know, myself, a, a, a Destiny veteran, uh, you know, it's having a hard time with some of the encounters in it because it's very, it's very, it's very thumb skill intensive. And in the in the final game, players will players will see that we've we've dialed some of that intensity and challenge down. Certainly in those opening opening experiences, because we want to create a game with Destiny Two that is a world that that, that pulls you in and you know helps you learn how to play it and then find you people to play with. One thing that I thought was funny, and I actually had a challenge with this as well when I played it, um, was there's the turbine in the opening mission, the homecoming mission that we have to do, and it's kind of gone a little bit viral with how difficult it was just to do that. It's not even really an enemy. Was that, uh, was that something you were surprised by, or you guys know that that was going to be a difficult thing to do? I was surprised by the turbine because there's only one turbine spinning in the shipping game, mm-hmm. and I was, I was surprised to see two of them. <laughs> You sandbagged all of us. The older older content. Like, that's a great example of something that we we implemented. We found this to be too challenging, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, especially for that opening sequence of the game. And in the shipping game, we've removed it. Right. There's one spinning turbine instead of two. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad for that because I got my my ass kicked by that turbine quite a bit. Uh, You know what? I tried to it a couple times, too. (laughs) It makes me feel a lot better. Uh, I'm not sure if you can if you can speak to this before the game is released, but there is any is there any particular new aspect in the sequel that you're I don't know particularly excited about for people to see? I'm excited. Uh, one of our one of our real you know one of our core philosophies around Destiny Two has been this phrase that that I've been using a fair bit you know, certainly with the team as early as I joined the project, which is about unhiding the fun. And this is about uh, making sure that the, the Destiny 2 player experience is an experience where, you know, anyone can come play and enjoy the game and also learn how to play it. And that, that's not just learn how learn to move and shoot through the world in, in first person. This is about the, a game that brings you back each week. So a feature I'm, I'm really excited about here is a feature we call Milestones. And Milestones is the way that 
players learn, sort of learn to play destiny. It's our way of saying, if you want to know what to do next in this game, in our main UI, something we call the director, which is like a map of the solar system, you can just press one button on your controller, and the game will show you what the next best thing for you to do is. And this is going to happen while the game's you know, sort of guiding you to the resolution of the, the Red War storyline about Gaul taking the Guardian's light. Mm-hmm. But this milestone, uh, this milestone system is also going to guide you on your journey to become more powerful to take on, you know, even greater challenges that await you in, in Destiny 2. You know, I'm glad you hinted on it a little bit because you've spoken about it uh, with a little bit more length um, previously, but there's an expanded story in this upcoming Destiny that the first one didn't have as much of. Um, was that a conscious decision to try and really bump up the story element of this new game? Yeah, and we've been as we've been looking in, in building Destiny, you know, for for years now, supporting Destiny One in those in its sort of ongoing releases and its expansions. I think we've continued to evolve our thinking about the importance of story and characters. And our approach to Destiny Two is, you know, another. Another turn of that of that learning, we're continuing to try to focus on you know worlds you want to be a part of and characters that you can't wait to hear from, or characters who you know create an emotional response to you. We have characters in the game who you know are polarizing at the studio. Some people love them, some people love to hate them, and that's awesome when you have characters who can create a response and have have those characters be a part of the a part of the texture of the world. Is something we're really excited about. Cool. Uh, is there going to be a light level cap in Destiny 2? I know that you've raised it. It kind of kept getting bumped up and bumped up in the first one. So is there a number that is capped at already in Destiny 2? Yeah, we're not really talking too much about the, we just call it the power progression. Right. About the power progression systems. But I think that we've, we've been learning as we've been building, building, you know, building, um, you know, expansions for, for Destiny 1 and, you know, our team did a bunch of work on the, the light refactor for the Taken King, and I think we've we've got another round of learning that we've that we've applied to, to Destiny Two. Gotcha. Uh, I was at your reveal event a couple months ago, and I think you you touched on it briefly, but you said that there are people on the team who could log on and just absolutely destroy players. Uh, they're so good at this game. Um, Seeing as how, I mean, Overwatch just signed this big league deal, uh, competitive gaming seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, is that something that you take into account with games, particularly like Destiny, that have that type of competitive element to them? Those are, like, things like esports are big steps. Those are, those are big steps. And for us, when we look at, when we look at our, our, our player versus player offering in Destiny 2, we really wanted to focus on making an experience that was learnable, Understandable and then masterable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the feelings, like developing the feelings of mastery, is something that just we as we as people enjoy, and you enjoy the spirit of getting better at something. It's why you know it's why you know going to the going to a basketball gym by yourself and shooting free throws is enjoyable because the repetition leads to mastery. And for us, with Destiny 2's PvP, we didn't want to start thinking about it from the perspective of. What do we do to become an eSport? We want to think about it from the perspective of how can we create an experience that anyone can learn, understand, and get better at? Because that's really important to us. Doing that means you're, you've got great fundamentals for a PvP game, and that was something that was really important to, to us as a team. Do you ever log on? Have you, have you logged on to the beta to shoot some people? Uh, yeah, man. Me 
and uh, <laughs> me and my squad of four, and I don't, I actually don't play the game with people uh, at work. I play with a bunch of my friends. We've only lost two games in two nights in the competitive playlist, so we are uh, we are out there crushing skulls. <laughs> I need to stay away from you when I log on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It's been it's been great. I can't wait for the full game to come out because the beta's been beta's been above and beyond what I expected. I can't so. wait for the full game to come out too. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost there. <laughs> well, thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate all your time. Great, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, congratulations. Have a great time. Anyway, something did uh, this week, a game that did not have as awful a reaction from the public. Destiny 2 released its beta, uh, early beta, and also now the open beta over the weekend. Uh, we had a chance to play it, uh, if you... Oh, God. <laughs> I liked it quite a bit, actually. I had a lot of fun. So did I. So did I. We just sucked. Oh, we were not good at all. Yeah, we're probably going to stream it again sometime. I think you beat it, right? You ended I, up beating the strike? I did, yeah. Oh, my... It was hard, though. It took... It literally, I th- it took me about two days. And I was online, like, looking at other people's reactions, because I thought I just sucked, right? And I didn't, apparently. It was a really difficult strike. The thing about Destiny is it takes coordinated teamwork. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think the stri- I didn't think they would drop a strike that hard for you straight off the bat. And it was just the two of us. We didn't have anyone else help. Oh, wait, we had that one guy helping us. What was his name? Fat A. Push it. Fat A, yeah. Oh, so if you're wondering about our gameplay footage, it, it, we do have a Twitch. It is Namek vs. Saiyan. Uh, Namek vs. Saiyan. So if you ever looking want to see any gameplay footage, go ahead and check out. We ha- do have our Destiny 2 video up from the two of us playing, <laughs> and then I will try to post videos up as much as possible. Absolutely. But anyway. And as with always, uh, reach out to us for our gamer tags, and we can play with you. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that strike was hard. It was. It did but, not hold your hand. The whole game kind of just like, it just threw you right into it. Uh, particularly the, so if you didn't get a chance to play the beta, you have to play through a little bit of story mode first before you can get to the multiplayer. And the story mode was pretty straightforward, pretty easy, honestly, except for one part where you had to fight against turbines, this giant fan, and you had to shut it off. Was that really hard for you? Because that was incredibly difficult for at, you. At first. Um, and then I realized how easy that puzzle was. And I was like, man, I'm an idiot. <laughs> it, it, it just required timing. That was it. I'm still an idiot. I still didn't know. I think I just did it by luck more than anything. I didn't get to play many of the desks. I didn't play any of the raids. I didn't play any of. I was mostly a strike person. Uh-huh. So I and I think those puzzle elements were big in the raids specifically. So so it's interesting to see that they brought a little bit of the puzzle elements to the strikes. And I, I and I was happy to see it. You know. Mixes it up from all those shooting people in the heads. You get a little puzzle. Get your brain working a little bit. I enjoyed it. Get them juices flowing. Uh, well, we were lucky enough this week to have uh, Luke Smith, the game's director and writer, on uh, the podcast, um, which you probably already know because it'll be the title of this episode. Um, but so we got to talk to him you know, a little bit about a lot of these things. And uh, one thing that I found interesting about it is that with any sequel, there's going to be people who are coming back to a game that they've already sunk a lot of hours into. And you kind of have to balance that with people who have not played before and are coming on. Um, as somebody who played Destiny quite a bit more than I did, the original one, what did you think about coming back to that world? Did it feel like slipping on a familiar pair of shoes, or was it like, oh, these are high heels and I don't know what I'm doing? It felt like walking into your parents' home after being away for a couple of years, and you know, that fresh smell hitting your face, Mm -hmm. and you're like, man, I'm home. Man, I'm home. It felt like that. I'm glad I got the hell out of here. (laughs) No, no, it it felt like a welcome back. I've missed you. Let's connect. Let's go out to dinner. Let's, you know, let's 
reconnect and do what we have to do. I I enjoyed it. It felt the same. Mm-hmm. It felt beautiful. That game feels so goddamn good on my hands. I oh, swear yeah. to God. <laughs> I'm just like shooting people. I'm just like, man, this. I love it. I love the feeling of it. But I can't wait to get back on with my friends. Well, I like the new ammo system. I like how they separated like kinetic ammo, special ammo. I don't know the names of it. Biotic like, ammo. I got the name so wrong. I'm sorry. Well, you're going to get like blasted. I like how there's three different ammo sets. I like how I can have a scout rifle and I can have a pulse rifle equipped. I don't have to have, you know, two separate, a heavy weapon, a standard right. weapon. I like that. So, you know, you could mix up your play style a little bit. I thought the so. gameplay was great. I thought the controls were tight. I I literally, I've gone back to it uh, multiple times. I've been playing it pretty much all weekend long, uh, just playing different uh, multiplayer game modes. I've done the strike about three times now. I've only actually beaten it once, wow. even though I've tried to do it over and over again. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I like the special. I like the feel you get when you get your special and you just feel super overpowered. It's just, uh, it was a really enjoyable experience for me. I really enjoyed the game. It's a pretty damn game. Yeah. And I, oh my God, I, I do have a question for you. Yes. Um, as someone who barely played the Destiny versus Destiny, what are your feelings? I kind of feel like you actually might like Destiny more than you think you did. Yeah, so let me paraphrase a conversation we had on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> you called me out and said that it looks like Pat's a Destiny fan now. And I might be. I just might be, Edmund. I really enjoyed it a lot, and I can't wait for it to finally open up with the full game. I plan on sinking some hours into this game. Buy a PlayStation 4 so we can play together. Destiny... Felt like Destiny. It felt good. I'm I'm ready for a second one. I like that first tutorial story mission. I know you didn't really weren't too fond about the tutorial, but I like how it's kind of like an homage to everyone that played the first one for many hours. Because mm-hmm. you're going through that same place that you've been going through over and over and over again. So it's kind of nice to see it destroyed. Right. A lot of fan service. So I played a little Crucible. Got my ass handed to me. Nice. So it's it's going to be fun. I can't wait to get on with my friends and play. Yeah, well, I'm going to get my butt kicked quite a bit on it, I'm sure. I'm not the best Destiny player. But anyway, I really no, enjoyed you it. And, you and I need a, um, we need a team captain because you and I suck. Yeah, we should not be leading any team. <laughs> no, I, I remember someone in our stream was like, my eyes are burning. That's how bad we are. So, yeah. Yeah. so check out our stream. That's a way to sell it. In other news, BioWare dropped a bombshell this week. By re-welcoming a former GM, Casey Hudson, back into the fold. Yeah, this is exciting for me. This is very exciting for me. Because it opens up a whole realm of possibilities. Yeah. So, Casey Hudson left the Bioware company. And if you don't know Bioware, Bioware is behind some of the greatest video games of all time. If you don't know Bioware, take one moment to take off your headphones or just pause the podcast real fast and punch yourself in the stomach three times. Very hard. Unless you're pregnant, please don't do that. Yeah, Slam no, no. your face into the, your uh, desk. Bioware is, be, is behind in some of the greatest franchises video game players have ever played. Mass Effect, probably one of the be- better franchises ever. Mm-hmm. Dragon Age. What? You know, people are split about it. I love Dragon Age. People are split about it. Probably the best game that we've ever seen release, Jade Empire. Love it. Round love of applause. It. Love Round it. of applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. One of the greatest. Just, I, I love Jade Empire so much. I, I need to stop now. So yes, Mass Effect has been behind some of our greatest games, and Casey Hudson was developer and general manager behind J- Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Jade Empire, Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2, and Mass Effect 3. And then when he left, it seemed like that's when Bioware started to go slowly downhill. So I guess I have two questions. Is this like crisis management for them? Do they Are they freaking out? 
are they scared about the release of Mass Effect Andromeda and Dragon Age Inquisition, right. which weren't that good of games at all? Is, is he the savior? Is, is he enough to save this company? Well, here's a question, too. What does it say about Anthem, their huge game that's coming out at the beginning of next year? Because before Casey came back, uh, the current, well, he was the current, he just left after a 17-year stint, the general manager for Bioware, Aaron Flynn, kind of stepped down, and he was in charge of Anthem before then. So were they unhappy with the way that he was going with Anthem, and is that why Casey came back to try and save this game, which is, honestly, I don't want to say it's a gamble, but this is one of those games where like they kind of need this to be the next Halo-type game a big hit they need a hit they need another mass effect they need yeah they need this to be another mass effect like screw the halos they need they need to get back to their roots right because everyone who is a bioware fan and i know a lot of bioware apologists i live i live with one he won't say anything negative about these games He, he just won't i used to be a bioware apologist mass effect andromeda and dragon age inquisition were like the girlfriends that cheated on me I, w- I walked in on both of them with someone else. Like it, it, it was that bad. It felt like that bad. So you need a hug, Evan. I do, I do. And these were some two of the games that I was anticipating more than anything else in my life. <laughs> since, <laughs> since like I was waiting for these games forever, so it was a punch in the face. So seeing them bring back Casey Hudson, seeing them hopefully get back to their roots, makes me excited. And I don't know. It seems like Flynn left on very. I, it was all. It wasn't. There were no bad terms. It seems like everyone went out on good terms. That's how it seems, but it's always hard to tell because a lot of that is PR speak too. So who knows, really? I'm not trying. I'm not trying to stir the pot. I'm not trying to say that he did leave like under some scandalous, big blowout of the office. I'm just saying that it's always hard to tell until time passes a little bit for people to know exactly, exactly how contentious a split might have been. Right. Yeah, but 17 years doing the same thing. Right. And, you know. Anthem is probably this big project. It seems like he got out at the right time. Of course. Right before, like, the um, the heavy marketing, you know, the heavy marketing starts. So we'll see, man. And I, I don't know if Casey Hudson is going to be behind any of the story development. I don't know if Anthem already has the story completed. I don't know what development looks like for that game. Uh, I, I actually know, know a little bit about that. I spoke to the game's writer, Drew Carpesian. Uh, Did you? Carpesian? Carpesian? I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name. Uh, Drew, okay. or Mr. Carpesian, if you are unfamiliar with him, is a novelist, first off, but he also wrote uh, the Knights of the Old Republic video game. He wrote Jade Empire, which I gushed about to him. Uh, and he also is writing the new Anthem. And he he's a very humble man, uh, and so he's part of a team. And I'm not sure who that team consists of or if it's Casey Hudson, but he's the lead writer on the game. So it is going to be his vision, which makes me incredibly excited because he's written some of my favorite games ever. And so if you've got him and Casey Hudson working on this game, and it looks like the footage that I've already seen of this game, I'm pretty hyped about this game. Yeah, Drew Carpesian also wrote Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows of Am, and Baldur's Gate 2, Throne of Ball. So a pretty decent regard. resume. <laughs> yeah, never, never winter nights. So, oh, sorry. And he also wrote, sorry, I'm nerding out right now. Star Wars: The Old Republic. Revan. He also wrote Star Wars: The Old Republic: Annihilation. Those are two novels. Mm-hmm. He also wrote the Mass Effect novels. So, with him and Casey Hudson, I believe that we can be excited for Anthem. I'm trying to. It feels like Bioware is coming back to their roots. That's how it feels like for me. They're kind of like aligning the dream team back again. And look, this is a studio that has blown me away thrice. Three times they've blown my hair back. So let's see if they can do it again. I think 
that you have built up enough good faith with me, Bioware, that releasing a Mass Effect Andromeda... I didn't play the new Dragon Age. Um, but I'll let those slide if you can give me back another game like the first time I played Mass Effect or when I picked up Jade Empire when I was a sophomore in high school. Right. And Bioware had a tough time last year, in my opinion, with Dragon Age Inquisition specifically because... Listen, they put out Mass Effect, they put out the first Dragon Ages, they set up a model for people to copy. Right. And The Witcher 2 kind of took that model and kind of perfected it. So now you kind of have to, we build these models, we made them what they are. Witcher 2 kind of came in and just, kind I'm not going to lie, they perfected the open world model. Right. In my opinion, The Witcher 3 is a perfect video game. And then you got to compete with that. So the thing about Witcher 3 that I compared it to Dragon Age Inquisition may not be fair. The voice acting was spectacular in Witcher 3. The way that the characters moved while you were conversing with them was very real, whereas in Dragon Age, they were just like little robots. So it, you have to make a lot of improvements to make your world more believable, and you have to make a lot of improvements basically to get back to your roots, back to that writing, back to the strong characters, back to the characters that I care about, which I didn't care about any of the characters in Inquisition, and I didn't care about any of the characters in Andromeda. And if you're playing an RPG game, that is everything for the game. I mean... It's- Especially for a Bioware game, because oh, that's yeah. your bread and butter are the characters. Exactly, and that's what I need. That's why I came. That's what I'm here for. Absolutely. So I I have good feelings about this. I'm usually negative, but I have good feelings about this. And it makes me think, are we going to get another um, Star Wars? Bioware? Are we going to get another Bioware Star Wars? We got all the same people that were behind the Star Wars, the Old Republic, are now right. back. And is are there going to get it? any better time to release a new Star Wars, given that the new trilogy is right in the middle right now? Like you got to capitalize on this. If you're going to make a Star Wars game, this is the time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Disney, I don't know if Disney's behind the entire, all these decisions, but you have Marvel coming out with their video game right? with um, Spider-Man for Insomniac Games, which sounds amazing. So it seems like this would be the right time to get into it. It's, the Star Wars, people are into Star Wars again. People are into the lore again. It seems like the um, next Star Wars movie is going to be getting into these, basically the old Knights of the Old Republic, the start of the Jedi Order. Right. So it, you're right. It's the perfect time for this game to be released. I mean, strike, strike while the iron's hot, light up that lightsaber, and start making some games so I can get back into some KOTOR. Yeah, dude, comic books and Star Wars. Who would have thought that cool people would have been into this in 2017? What? what is this world we're living in? I don't know. I have no idea. The geeks have inherited the earth. Yeah, which is sad. But, yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not a Pokemon Go fan, it's all right. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Just just make sure not to break any promises to anyone in this day and age or you're going to get something thrown at you. <laughs> you're going to get a bottle thrown in your head. Yeah, so I'm just telling you right now, Drew Capesian and Casey Hudson, mm-hmm. if I'm disappointed, bottles is getting thrown, son. Bottles is getting thrown. <laughs> and now you're on a government watch list. All right, let's try out a new segment now. Uh, we don't have a name, Edmund. What would you call this segment? Namek versus saying cast. I don't know. Let's explain, cast. Explain it. Yeah. Explain yeah. Okay. It. Let's cast our dream version of a video game crossover. Netflix just released a new Castlevania. A lot of these things are becoming more mainstream and more well known by a lot of people. So let's say I want to watch um, a Legend of the Zelda movie because we've wanted that for so long. Legend of the getting, Zelda. We're getting a Legend of Zelda uh, television show on Netflix. Well, there you go. See, and who would you want to cast in that? So, Eddie, you be the casting director. There we go. That's a perfect name. Oh, yeah. Eddie the casting director. I like it. Eddie the casting director. 
Okay, so this is Eddie, the casting director, speaking to you specifically from the Bay Area. And I have an idea. I think this idea, if you're a Hollywood executive and you're listening to me and you take this idea and you don't pay me, I'm going to sue you. You're saying that right now. Edmund's idea first. You got some fat oh. cat smoking a cigar right now. Be like, oh, really, Mr. Arnold? Uh, I got some cowboy boots on, my cowboy hat. I got my Wranglers on. My feet are kicked up on my desk. I don't know why I went to a cowboy conglomerate. Um, <laughs> you're like a Texas oil guy who's like, yeah, I want to get into video game Serena crossovers. <laughs> Serena and me. Yeah. Get them people off my land. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I believe that Overwatch could be made into one of the top performing cartoon television shows on either Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, you can even make it a Netflix show. Mm. But it has to be filmed in the same animation that the Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels shows has been Film. Well, Mr. Arnold, I'm intrigued by your idea, but who would you cast in such a television show? So, Overwatch has a great, big, expansive list of characters, and you know, you have your heroes and you have your villains. You have to. Just, I'm not going to be writing the plot around it. You're going to have to. So, I think you need to have your most marketable characters. I think your most marketable characters in the game would probably be Tracer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like her pants. Yeah, Tracer. And I think you could get a Olivia Wilde or Ooh. a um, I'm thinking of her. You have to help me with the Hollywood because I'm not too good with Hollywood. She's in that movie with... <laughs> I'm so bad at this. <laughs> the guy from How I Met Your Mother the, the big tall oh, guy. Emily Blunt? Emily Blunt, Well, yes. she's British, so she yes. would be a good choice. Yes. Emily Blunt should be the voice of Tracer. There we go. I love that. So, I think you could base the whole movie around Tracer's character. You have Emily Blunt be the voice of her character. McCree, I think, should also be in the game. McCree is a cowboy western Overwatch character. Who, who would be a gruffy, like, an old, like a new age Clint Eastwood type? I'm watching Lost, so I'm a little bit biased on this. And I think McCree's a little bit younger than this man would be. But if, what if we got Sawyer from Lost? That's a great choice for voice. Yeah, he could do a good voice role. You, yeah. It's Mr. Absolutely. Josh Holloway in there. Yeah, get a little uh, westernized accent in there. I could see it. I could see it. Maybe even, like, convincing Clint Eastwood to take a pay cut and the voice of television, a cartoon character. Hey, Clint Eastwood, I know you're 84 years old and you're making Oscar-winning films, but here's a pitch for you. How about you voice a cartoon based on a video game? Yes. And he'd be like, get out of my office! That's what he sounds like. I don't like. want anything to do with y'all. Yeah. <laughs> he screams at um, an empty chair. Maybe like a um, Sean Eastwood. What's his son's name? Maybe we could get a knockoff. <laughs> oh, um, Scott Eastwood. Scott Eastwood, there we go, there we go. There's my Hollywood in Hollywood reporter. I got you, editor, helping me out. So uh, I'm I'm the casting right now. You have Reaper. Reaper needs to be in the game. Reaper is your main antagonist, I think. I think Reaper. You get your William Defoe to voice Reaper. Ooh. It doesn't sound like the voice from the game, but William Defoe should voice every villain ever. Anyone in a shit. shrouded hood or anybody in darkness at any point in time needs to be William Defoe. Oh, absolutely. I think we as a absolutely. nation have to come together on that point. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I agree. 
Uh, I think Diva needs to be in there. You put Diva. You uh, you call up Tara Strong. You have Tara Strong do that voice. Tara nice. Strong is done everything. I like it. So you might you might as well get her on here. Uh, who else should we, should we put in this game? Uh, you need Roadhog for your comic relief. Okay, how about? <laughs> I know that you're casting this. Let me let me throw a pitch at you. How about Roadhog and Winston are kind of like the duo on the outside. They're sort of like our Shaggy and Scooby. They can't be because they're on opposite spectrums. So unless Roadhog kind of has one of those moments where he's like, oh, I think I'm a good guy, you know. Then yeah, maybe we could have them team up. So, yeah, you're, that's a good idea. Is Roadhog yeah. sort of like the Iago to um, the Jafar? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Roadhog and Junkrat are kind of like um, Jafar and Iago, actually. Nice, I like that. Yeah, so, um, but Roadhog... You would need a crash-sounding voice. Mm-hmm. You would need someone who's probably going to curse a lot. Someone who's going to be very vulgar. I would go... Here, all right, this is Dreamcasting, okay? Ron Perlman. Oh, Ron Perlman. I just like his voice. He kind of has that biker mentality anyway. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Ron Perlman, he's a little old, but yeah, I like it. I was thinking more like Danny McBride. Ooh, oh god, that's perfect. Yeah, I said Danny Smith. I, I meant to say Danny McBride. I'm Danny very McBride bad is exactly who you want. Yeah, I would think Danny McBride for that. Um, so yeah, that's a, Mercy. I think you have to have Mercy in there too. Who would play Mercy? Mercy's kind of like the angelic. Um, she's kind of like the healer of the group. She has angel wings. I think there's only one person that I think Angel in Hollywood, and that is Alison Jul- Brie. Oh my god, really? You kidding me? Did we, were we really going to say the same person? No, get yes. out of here. Seriously, Alison Brie? I was going to say Alison Brie, but yeah, Alison Brie would be perfect for that. Oh, Alison Brie should be in everything ever made. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we're, are we getting the show made right now? Is that what's happening? I, I, I think so. I think it needs to get made. Actually, Alison Brie could be a good Widowmaker, too. Because she's got like that that voice that you could make you could turn into a villain easily. Oh yeah. So I, I think we we could get Allison Brie. We could put her in certain you know different different roles in this in this show. Okay, because she's my favorite character. Who's gonna play Winston? And Winston would be a re- Phil Lamar. Ooh, Phil Lamar. You would, you would need that like intelligent uh, regal type voice, right? Someone who, you know, you can trust to bring a very dynamic performance to it. I think you have Phil Lamar be Winston. I think Phil Lamar can do pretty much anything, so he would be a good choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many characters in Overwatch. You could do it. You You could easily do a television show surrounding these characters. I don't know why I haven't been done yet. I wonder if this is actually something in development right now. Like, there must be conversations because of how popular the game is and because of how much it lends itself to this type of... Oh, it's so accessible. Like, it could be... I mean, any kid could watch this. Right. And the story's already set up. I don't really... I don't know too much about the story. I just know that some of the people on there are good and some of the people on bad are bad. You have your first major villain in Doomfist. I don't know if you've seen the new character that they released in Doomfist. Terry Crews could easily voice Doomfist if he wanted to. But yeah, I mean, there's so many characters in it. You have May, that we, Hanzo, Bastion. God, it's just such a colorful cast. I just, it needs to be made. It needs to be made. Hollywood, call me. <laughs> we'll list your number. 
yeah, call me. Email me and I bring me onto the creative team. He make we can make some moves. There we go. Casting director Edmund for you. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's season one. You bring in the next character season two. There's too many characters in this damn game. You gotta split it up. You don't want too many characters to be following. But I think you could do it. I, I honestly think you could do it. But it has to be filmed in a way that's like Star Wars Rebels. Or an anime. Yeah. <laughs> and that is Edmund Cast Overwatch television show. You're welcome, Hollywood. So other big news that was announced at Comic-Con this week. We officially have three new Telltale games being announced for next year. Three? We have, Well, actually, Batman's going to be released this year. It's going to be coming out the first week of August, and that is Batman Enemy Within. There's a very good trailer up on every video game website that you can find. Just Google <laughs> Batman Enemy Within. It looks like he'll be taking on the Joker and the Riddler. Nice. The first one was, the first one was okay. I liked what they did with the – the one thing I'll give about Telltale Batman games is they do whatever they want with the lore. Just go into it knowing that the characters that you expect to be characters are n- not the same way. So your Two-Face isn't the same Two-Face that you've expected in the comics or the movies. He's very different. I kind of like that, though. It's kind of like a new twist on things that are so familiar to me. So that's coming out next year. We have The Walking Dead final season. I'm a big Telltale fanboy. I'm under the. Imp- I'm one of those people that will say that The Walking Dead season one was probably one of the best, one of the top five stories told in video games ever. If you haven't played it, I would highly recommend that you play it. So specifically, if you like storytelling in video games, it is the story is told in a very, very good way, and it's probably one of the best. Lee is probably one of the best Walking Dead characters, in my opinion. So, the final season is gonna. It began in 2012. The final season is coming out 2018. So we will finally get to see an ending to Clementine's journey. So I'm excited about that. But screw those two. <laughs> the biggest announcement that came out of this Telltale, whatever Telltale announcement was. Brace yourself. Finally, getting the second season to Wolf Among Us. I finally get to see what is going on. The Big B Wolf. Sound of a round of applause. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. All right. This, this is huge, people. The first one was – the first episode was released in 2013. I was one of those idiots that bought it day of. I love, love, loved Telltale Games. And when I heard that they were going to be doing a Fables – and anyone who hasn't read the Fables comic, please go read the Fables comic. Fables is basically a comic where they take your favorite fairy tale creatures and basically – add a modern day twist to it one of the best video um comic book series to be released and i believe they just wrapped up this year yeah they did wrap up this year no last year 2002 years ago really i did not know that 2015 so yes it follows bigby wolf snow white seems like it's going to be continuing the story of the first season the first season was kind of like a crime noir type story it felt similar to those old school what is that movie with Russell Crowe? L.A. Confidential. It, L.A. Confidential, yes. It is in the same vein as L.A. Confidential. Very pulpy. The music is very jazzy. You're trying to get down. You're trying to find out who m- murdered one of the fables. And it takes you in all these different twists and turns. It's like a really good episode of Law & Order SVU. So it's just <laughs> a good, 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 good first season. I recommend anyone go pick up. Telltale when it was in its heyday, go pick up uh, Wolf Among Us, go pick up the first season of Walking Dead. So, that's all I gotta say. I love Telltale games. They're not your everyday video games that you would play. 
it's very story centric. You're pressing button prompts to move it on. You're making choices. I highly recommend if you have a girlfriend or if you have a wife, if you have kid, oh, not kids, because they're not very kid right. friendly. Um, it's very good game to play with like another person, like a wife. For sure, it's like friend. it's. It sounds like watching a story more than just playing through a game. Yeah, and then the person that you're with can have input, whether it's you know a partner or anything like that. Um, uh, make them have have them make this decision or have them make that decision. Right. So it's very interactive, and it's it's just storytelling. It's all about the story. It's not about anything else. All right, well, a huge thanks to everyone who's listening. Thank you for continuing to listening. This is episode 10. This was fun for us to get to 10 episodes. Hopefully we can get to 100. <laughs> uh, if you haven't already, subscribe, uh, share, like, follow us on Twitter, watch for us on Steam. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. Yes, please. Um, like you said, follow us. Find us on SoundCloud. We will respond to your comments. We'll respond to any questions that you may have. If you have any suggestions of who you would like us to interview, send them our way as well. Um, we are all over Gmail. We are all over SoundCloud, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Just send us wherever you want to find us. Go ahead. It's Namek vs. Saiyan. Namek vs. Saiyan. At gmail.com and on all the social interwebs. Uh, yeah, as always, if you have any ideas or any tips, drop them our way and we'll do our best to talk to the people who are actually making these games. Uh, so thank you very much for listening, everybody. We love you. Thank you. Go play Splatoon 2. Do it now! Sucking puppies, you guys.